After experiencing the transformative power of a regular meditation practice, it's natural to feel inspired to share this gift and guide others on their own journey of discovery through meditation. Join Buddhist teacher David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell, comedian and creator of the Netflix animated series The Midnight Gospel, for a free online event on Tuesday, May 7th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. They'll discuss the profound practices of mindfulness Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation, lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash beherenow for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell. Hi, it's Raghu again, back with Mind Rolling, and I'm delighted to be with Manoj Chalam. Am I getting that right, Manoj? Raghu, you're right on. Jai Ganesha. <laughs> so, uh, Manoj is... Uh, now, some of you out there may well know Manoj. He has spent time um, teaching at various uh, yoga festivals around the country. Uh, and certainly, my wife knows you, Manoj. She met you at Bhakti Fest. Her name is Saraswati. Beautiful. Saraswati Marcus. That's right. There you go. Yes, I remember. Yeah. So, uh, so and she's going to be happy with uh, all of this wonderful information. Manoj really has a lot of uh, knowledge around uh, uh, Hindu deities. And I'm going to start by saying, Manoj, my little story of I went to India. and A few times. A few times I've been there. But the first time I was like, okay, what? These marble statues, I mean, I'm, first of all, I grew up Jewish and, you know, it's all non, uh, no images, if you remember the Bible thing. Uh, Thou shall not worship idols. Yes. So even though I was dispensing with uh, that religion because it wasn't doing anything for me, it was probably still had some inbred things in there that were really buggy for me. And that was one of them. And so... And then I thought, and, and you know, Ramdas talks about this too, about, yeah, like it's so, oh, gosh, all of these images and the Hindu <laughs> thing. I'm a Buddhist, he said. Uh, yes. And, you know, and that was kind of where I was at as well until I met Neem Karoli Baba and he introduced us uh, to Hanuman, who everybody who is watching this on YouTube uh, can see right to Manoj's left this extraordinarily beautiful Murti statue of Hanuman. And that was uh, in every temple of Maharaji, he had always a Hanuman and always mother goddess. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. Yes. And how did you connect with Hanuman after that? I don't. That's what I'm trying to say. This is why I wanted to get with you, because I have no idea why this what really happened. Um, there was a he had a Murti uh, of Hanuman in and I didn't get it in, in, in the Himalaya, in Himalayas in his uh, ashram named Kenchi. 
there was a Hanuman there, and you know, I did all of the you know, namaste, but it nothing. Uh, and then I went, and we we were hanging out with him in Vrindavan, and he had a Hanuman there, which um, something happened, and I I felt an something out of my head. It wasn't an intellectual thing, but there was some kind of wow kind of a thing. Uh, oh, one good story that you'll like, Manoj. We have a very, Ramdas's uh, Indian brother, his name is K.K. Shah. He was one of our mentors and translated for us back in the day. He's still with us today. We do. He comes to America a lot and he's an incredible being. He went, there's a picture. This is so great. There's a picture. He was hanging out with Maharaji in front of that Murti of Hanuman. And he was off to the side, okay? Way to the side. The Murti's eyes were painted so that they 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 were directed straight ahead. There's a picture, okay, that somebody snapped with Maharaji. Maharaji's not in the picture, but there's KK standing to the side, and the Murti's eyes are moved completely over to glance at KK. Okay, Raghu, uh, let me pause you because. Yes. The your image is blurring because I'm getting tears in my eyes. Oh. I'm getting emotional when you started your story with Maharaji and Hanuman. And it's not only tears, I'm I'm literally feeling goosebumps. Mm. So but please go ahead, finish, yeah, finish no, your so story. All of that is to say that I, although I had no intellectual understanding of uh, of the significance of Mortis, and in particular uh, the chosen, we'll get to it, uh, Ishta Devata, which is the the chosen um, deity that is close to any one individual. That uh, I had no idea of anything, but. So I gravitated on the in that moment, uh, Hanuman. I mean, Maharaji, of course, talked about Hanuman and Christ are one, and and so on and so on. But then, many years later, Ramdas built or had a, a commissioned a statue, a murti of Hanuman, which was very unusual uh, because it was a flying, a represented a representation of Hanuman as flying. When he flew from uh, Jaipur, from Jaipur, yeah, and Siddhima, who was longtime uh, saint uh, with Maharaji, also helped with it, as did KK. So that ended up in Taos, and I know you've been there and you've seen this Murti and been with him. And once we established that as a, a place where he could stay, uh, and this is all late seventies, early eighties, uh, I something happened that was just extraordinary that I cannot put into words, but it was as if when I'd go in there and just sit with, with that image, that Murti, um, it was m no more or less than sitting, than sitting with Neem Karoli Baba. I mean, it was just, uh, such a powerful thing. And, you know, and, and I know, and by the way, um, I, I, we'll see if, Manoj, if you would allow us to, we would put this wonderful document you sent me, which you um, gave out at, at various festivals, which is 
all about the different deities and what they mean and so on and so forth. Yes, of course. Nothing is mine. Thank you. So we will do that. Um, but uh, in that instant, uh, in, in this document, rather, uh, you explain how the different ways in which a, a morti is invested and of course, one the most uh, traditional way in India is a priest comes and invests it with mantras and so on. And uh, but the way that this happened was just Westerners who knew from nothing except "Wow, I love you, Hanuman." It was just nothing but that, and the uh, that and Maharaji, obviously his presence in there, and that just uh, grew and grew and grew until. Uh, today, uh, when so many people have experienced Hanuman and so many people now know the Hanuman Chalisa, which we'll, we'll talk about as well. Um, so, th- so all's to say, Manoj, is that this was out of the blue for me. I mean, I had no intellectual uh, uh, understanding that, that I could lean on to make sense of any of this. And after meeting Maharaji, of course, I didn't try to make much sense of anything after that. But uh, can you start us off here with talking about what these DTs are and you talk about them as archetypes and in reference to Jung and so on? I think that would be very helpful. Thank you, Raghu. And I'm going to call you Raghu Bhai, which means brother. Thank you. And um, it's deeply moving, uh, you shared, and what you got from your experience with uh, Hanuman and also Maharaji, who was considered Hanuman, not only a devotee, but Hanuman incarnate, as you know. But what you got is a, a hit, you know, it's like when you look at a Murthy, it's called Darshan, but the Murthy looks at you. And when the Murthy looks at you, it's called a, a Kataksham a divine gaze and you get like a thunderbolt, a hit. Mm. And when that happens, uh, perhaps you take a sharp intake of breath and that's divine pranayama, the breathing, Mm. where where you don't breathe, you're being breathed. (laughs) And that's the start of your beautiful journey to not only being a Hindu, but... uh, (laughs) But also uh, to live your life as if you're being lived, you're not living. And that's the beauty of great saints like Maharaji who uh, embodies this tradition. So to to answer your question about the Murthys, uh, this is, you know, there's a lot of philosophy. Uh, the mindfulness has taken off. Uh, Buddhism has a strong role. And uh, it's all good, but... And then the Hindu, there's a non-dualistic philosophy of Advaita Vedanta. But then what freaks out people is when they see these uh, statues, these murtis, they, they come out of the woodwork. And anyone who's been to India realizes uh, they're part of the whole thing. You know, you can't like distance yourself away and immerse your, yourself into the teachings. Uh, it's what I called a half-assed awakening, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has to be like full on. And uh, sooner or later, you will get into this. So there are various 
ways to understand these statues and murtis. And it's like peeling layers of an onion. So I'm going to peel the first layer, which is you view them as archetypes or symbols, as what Carl Jung put it, uh, symbols within the collective unconscious. Mm. And that's the first layer. And I may as well tell you the second layer right away, which is a bit scary. And uh, you got a hit of that. The second layer is they're not only archetypes, they're real energies. Okay. Uh, And then the third layer is a statue by itself has, can have energy. Now, I'm a, I'm a scientist by training, so I bring in a bit of science to the quote-unquote uh, woo-woo stuff. <laughs> so, uh, and feel free to interrupt me with any questions anytime, Raghu, and, you know, and everyone will be used to my accent, I think, by the time I'm finished. Um, and please bear a bit of humor and comedy. I'm known as a spiritual stand-up comedian. Uh, <laughs> when you're... When you're brown, fat, and you have an accent, you can get away with shit, right? And uh, UPS is not the only brown who delivers. So uh, archetypes, okay? Uh, So Jung was uh, actually influenced by some of these deities, other symbols, the Greek, the Egyptian archetypes. And he said they are within the collective unconscious for all of humanity. In other words, we're all like waves in the ocean and there's one collective unconscious and that's really our subconscious minds. Our subconscious minds are like waves in the ocean and it's about 87% of our mind. So we don't think, we largely react. You know, it's like you drive home, you just get there, you don't know how you do that. And these archetypes, the Hindu, Buddhist, Egyptian, Greek, the Christian ones, the cross is a beautiful archetype. They're all buried in this one collective unconscious for the entire humanity. And then what happens is what happened for you, they pop up, especially during moments of transition and they help uh, guide you in your hero's journey. So, you know, there are archetypes of all traditions as I talked about But the Hindu and Buddhist ones, the yogic ones, I call them, have largely persisted because the one thing people are not aware of and which I try to to make it clear is each symbol has meanings. So, for instance, uh, I don't know if you can see the the eyes of this meditation, meditating Hanuman. He is... half open, half closed. You know, it's what is called uh, the Shambhavi Mudra, which means uh, he is in the world, but not of it. But it's a more deeper sense of a Vedantic meditation where it's not yogic samadhi, where there is no thought, you're absorbed in the oneness. The metaphor is your mind is like a moon in a cloudy sky. It's like uh, the waves in your mind are like uniform. And, uh, you know, it's like uh, rolling the mind, which is interesting, mind rolling. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you're aware what's going on. That's your podcast, right? Exactly you're, that. Mm. You're in the witnessing like uh, awareness. 
So you're rooted in consciousness and at the same time, you're dimly aware. And this is the Vedantic meditation called Samadhana, not hmm. Samadhi. And the other thing is his archetype is Ram in the center of the chest. And we can talk about what Ram is. And then he's doing the Japa Mala, the meditation. And then this mudra is uh, very prevalent with many murtis. It's called the Abhaya. So Bhaya means fear. Abhaya means uh, he removes any fears and uncertainties within you. Right. Because the fear is usually of the other. And the other can be in time or space. But when you're in the oneness, there is no other. There is no uncertainty of the future because everything is you. There is no other in space. So there's really nothing to be anxious about. There's a pervasive level of anxiety, especially today. So this mudra is powerful. So uh, those so, of you, just interrupt, uh, Manoj, just because uh, people will be listening. The mudra that... Uh, is uh, expressed in this particular statue, Murti of Hanuman, that that is uh, that uh, Manoj is sitting next to, is him with his right hand faced outwards and raised, and that is uh, a, a very, very archetypical uh, blessing um, position. So, just to let everybody know what you're talking about there. And um, so these symbols are within all of us, but then there's a way to bring them out. And one of the practices you can do is actually meditate with a murti. And, uh, you know, you, in other words, you create a beautiful altar, you close your eyes, no need to like make it a very uh, middle-class, overachieving type meditation where you meditate for 20 minutes, be spontaneous. But the the difference between uh, this one and uh, many Buddhist breath-based meditation is we meditate with uh, mantra. So the meditation, the Hanuman mantra is Om Hanumate Namaha. Mm. And the, what the mantra does is it drops you in the gap or the space between your thoughts. Because the space between your thoughts is consciousness. In other words, your thoughts are overlaid on consciousness. So the mantra drops you in the gap and your thoughts will wander but it keeps coming back each time you chant the mantra and the gap increases and your mind is suffused with more and more consciousness. And then you spontaneously open your eyes to Hanuman. Your mind is like a vacuum. It sucks in all the symbols and the energy he represents. And the energy of Hanuman is really about devotion, living from the heart, about seva about service, about intellect. He has an archetype who's very strong, very smart, but he's very humble. 
and you awaken the archetype within you, you're, what you're doing it is you're pulling it from the ocean of collective unconscious to your subconscious mind. And it's like a bit like positive psychology of Martin Seligman in the 60s. He started to do research in that, where your mind is flooded with the Hanuman or any archetype. And you live your life through Hanuman. And I've seen amazing transformations happen to a lot of people. And this is only one practice. There are four other practices you can do to live Hanuman in day-to-day life. Mm. Um, you know, I'd like to do is for us, you and I maybe, and, and people can do it along with us, uh, recite that mantra for a little bit, give people an idea. Uh, but before we do that, I, I just want to, just to give, here's what happened to me and other young Westerners that were there back in the day with Maharaji. Uh, he, we were told by many Indian people who had been with him for a long time uh, that, first of all, every week on Tuesday they would read Sundar Khan, which is a, a chapter from the Ramayana, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before, this great uh, book the, the, that is the story of the god Ram coming down as a human uh, incarnation, and um, he eventually meets Hanuman, and uh, his wife gets abducted by the demons, and he goes to save her, and Hanuman finds her, and it's an incredible story on so many different levels. We, we could do about 10 podcasts, uh, I'm sure, with uh, Manoj to really go through all those levels. But, um, and Sundara Kantam is so poetic. It's amazing. Yeah, and beautiful and full of love. So in this story, I'll just this one little thing which gave us the essence of who Hanuman is and how we could really relate, what Maharaji really transmitted to us. When Hanuman does go, uh, he's, he tells Ram, I'm going to find your abducted wife who was abducted by the demon Ravana in Lanka. And so I will find her. And he does go find her. And in the process, uh, they, they uh, try to torture him and they burn his, they put set fire to his tail and he, he then sets fire to this city. And it's quite an adventure. But he comes back to uh, India, South India, where Ram is waiting to hear the news. And they tell him, uh, oh, Hanuman found her and she's okay and she's in the Ashoka Grove nearby, uh, the the Ravana's uh, uh, palace. And Ram says, well, let me, I want to talk to Hanuman. And so they get together and Ram said, nobody, and this is all um, I'm paraphrasing, okay, uh, nobody has ever done what you have done for me. Nobody. I will give you any boon that you want on any of the you know, the 17 billion universes that exist, whatever you want. And it was at that moment where Hanuman threw himself at the feet of Ram and said, save me, save me from the tentacles of egoism. Yes. So the gigantic, the only thing that was is going on in Hanuman is selflessness. He cares not for himself. 
and his gigantic love of uh, of the one. That combination and service uh, is really what was transmitted to us back, and and you know some of us have brought it back. Most particularly Ramdas, and of course Krishnadas with his chanting and so on, and the stuff that we we do all the way to these podcasts. This is just strictly because of that. And as I said before, I had no idea why I even felt these kinds of things, but uh, obviously this makes the most uh, sense to me that this is what was wanted to be transmitted uh, and is being transmitted into the West was these these ideals. So, what's the mantra? Let's do the mantra a little bit. Uh, can I um, do a little rewind on your story? And yeah, definitely. Be- because I can relate to you. Uh, you're a natural storyteller, and so am I. I, you know, you can, as you know, uh, stories and humor. You can. Uh, it breaks down the conditioning. And in that story where, uh, you know, in the Sundara Khan time, it's very beautiful. So Hanuman has all these powers, but, you know, as a young boy, uh, he creates a lot of mischief. So he was cursed by the gods that he would forget the powers until he gets reminded. So the metaphor is we have these powers and sometimes it takes a friend or a teacher to remind us. And uh, in your story, you shared uh, Hanuman, this monkey, volunteers to get, unite Ram's wife, Sita, to Ram. And he has this band of monkeys and they go all over India, couldn't find it, and they end up in southern tip of India. And they're all saying, you know, shaking their heads and doing mm-hmm. the Indian what to do, what to do, right? And then in that moment... Um, and, you know, Sita is in an island of Sri Lanka or Ceylon, about 200 miles away. And that's when an older monkey reminds Hanuman of his powers. And in the Sundra Kant, it's said very beautifully when Hanuman remembers. And that's what the Hanuman Chalisa is about, reminding Hanuman of his 40, you know, the 40 Chalisa phrases are about his powers. So it's so written so beautifully when he remembers he he enlarges himself and he steals his prana. His thighs are like super, super strong, like Arnold Schwarzenegger times 1000. <laughs> and then he grows huge and he emits a huge roar. Ooh! And he takes off. And literally is able to fly. And it's like an airplane taking off. You know, there's so much entrainment. The bushes, the snakes leapt out of their burrows. There was like an earthquake. And then he flies into Sri Lanka. And then the eventual story is he unites Sita to Ram. So the metaphor is he unites the individual soul, Sita to Ram, the universal soul. But... To your point you made about the ego, which is the desire of Hanuman to be egoless, the other teaching for us is anyone can have the ego come back, even a great guy like Hanuman. Because in the story, 
Hanuman, uh, when he jumps into Sri Lanka, then he looks around and a trace amount of ego comes up. He says, hey, I'm the man. I've jumped 200 miles. Maybe I can jump to Australia or New Zealand. So the ego comes up even for an amazing, humble deity like Hanuman. And that night he couldn't find Sita. And that's where he gets reminded to be the egoless state all the time. And that was one of the reasons when he fell at Ram's feet, he literally pleaded, please, no ego, no ego. And I'm so happy you're sharing that story to your mm. people at your retreats. You know, that's mm. a very powerful story. Yeah, very much, very much. You know, uh, we're all about Hanuman right now, everybody, because uh, it's my favorite thing. So you have to go along. We we may include mother. We probably have to include mother. We're going to talk about her a little bit. Uh, and and the fact is that she uh, Hanuman is an incarnation of Shiva. Right. And so, there's a story behind that. Uh, yeah, tell can that I one. Give, yeah. give a few minutes? Yeah, yeah. So Shiva was meditating on Mount Kailash. It's there in Tibet, right? Mount Kailash. And he gets an insight and he shares with his wife, Shakti or Parvati. He tells her, times have changed and there's way too much greed in the world, uh, too much, you know, twittering, too <laughs> much... Uh, you know, it's all coming from greed and, you know, the whole ego, it is egoism, right? The whole uh, Descartian, Descartes model of I think, therefore I am, comes from ego. And then the Vedanta flips it to uh, I am, therefore I think, which is like we're coming from consciousness. But then Desmond Tutu said it beautifully when he said we are, therefore I am. So there has to be like a community. And Shiva felt uh, no community going on in the world, too much ego. So he shares it with his wife that I'm going to incarnate as a lowly monkey. And the idea is, uh, you know, people will not learn some deep philosophy from a monkey. You know, that's a monkey. And show through example the power of devotion. So when he tells it to his wife, his wife Shakti Parvati or Shakti says, hey, what are you talking? You're the man. He said, no. There's a new man in the universe. His name is Lord Ram. And I want to incarnate to serve Ram as a monkey. So his wife Parvati said, okay, I'm going to incarnate as a tail. So Shiva becomes Hanuman and his wife Shakti becomes the tail and the tail is the Kundalini Shakti, the power. And feel free to uh, explain what that is, if you like. Uh, that's why he lights Sri Lanka fire with the tail. The Shakti, the word Shakti means the power of consciousness. Mm. But then there's a process by which Shiva becomes uh, Hanuman. It's a PG-13 story. There was a monkey queen, Anjana, praying for a, a son. And, uh, you know, so Shiva becomes Hanuman by letting his seed go in the wind, Vayu. So another of Hanuman's father is Vayu. He was like a messenger. So here's a queen, you know, she's a queen, she's wearing a skirt and she's praying. And then the wind carries Shiva's seed. And then uh, here's where it becomes PG-13 because the skirt like flutters, you know. Woo -woo. <laughs> and we don't know what happens inside, but out pops this little boy Hanuman, right? 
so uh, it's a very beautiful uh, sort of uh, you know the, the the metaphor is we can be hanuman like the, the we have the powers within us that what maharaj ji he was called chamakkar baba you know doing the siddhis the powers mm-hmm. it should demonstrate the really the power of hanuman in each of us and that's what i feel uh, the entire foundation is carrying on right now yeah and and it's so amazing that so many people manoj know the hanuman chalisa it's staggering right <sighs> And, you know, many people, maybe they don't learn what the words mean when they chant. That is a process that, that uh, everybody should consider. It's something Siddhima used to tell us all the time. Uh, but the reality is, some of you know, one verse here, one verse there. And, but the, what you just said is, um, is extraordinarily important in all of this, beyond Hindu, Buddhist, Jews, Christians, Muslims the reality of reminding ourselves of who we really are. And in this case, this is a practice that has been given to us that we've shared uh, over the years. And particularly, of course, uh, Hanuman Chalisa Krishnas has really been a center, uh, at the center of that sharing. Uh, but that reminding of who we really are is... is uh, uh, it's the most effective thing that I use in my own practice on a day-to-day basis. Um, there's something you wrote here uh, in this thing uh, that I was not aware of, and that's why I love getting this from you. There's so many wonderful tidbits in here. Many aspects of yoga, right? And you're speaking of hatha yoga in this case? Yes. Uh, come yes. from Hanuman, including many asanas. His father was Vayu, right? Manoj just mentioned, the wind deity. So he taught the yogic world pranayama, right? Yes. Which is the yes. use of uh, using the breath to uh, clear the inner uh, nadis and, and channels and so on, and also uh, bring the mind to one point and then. Um, and, and they're finding that the, these breathing exercises that uh, can easily be learned, by the way, and that's something else. Uh, you guys that are doing the show notes for this podcast that's going to be up there, let's uh, find uh, yeah, the most e- efficacious, simple way for people to learn a little bit of pranayama. And I know my wife Saraswati teaches it as well, and I'm sure you, you do as well, Manoj, so we should get as many resources as possible on that one. Um, yes, of course. Uh, so, and Hanuman's guru was Surya, the sun god. So he taught the world Surya Namaskar, the sun salutation, which everybody who goes into their local yoga uh, center is one of the first things that they're taught. He is so intelligent that he is able to reconcile the three main systems of Vedanta philosophy. Uh, yeah, something else I, I loved reading, duality. Uh, which is Advaita, Vashista Advaita, qualified non-duality. Vishista Advaita. Yeah, Vashista. And Advaita. Vishista. Okay. Yes. And Advaita, non-duality. And, um, and I love, and this is really well told, and this is something we, we also mention quite a bit when we do these retreats. Um, uh, at the... Uh, at some point in the story, Ram says to Hanuman, like, 
who are you? And I'm going to just sh- do this on a short thing. When I identify with my body, I am your servant. When I identify with the soul, I am part of you. When I identify with pure consciousness, I am you. So this is extremely important that he was able to uh, just cross over all uh, and understand fully these three very important things. So Hanuman, Bajarang Bali Maharaj Ki Jai. But what's, what's the mantra? Let's do a little of the mantra in the middle of uh, all But Raghu uh, also, uh, yeah. I love the way you, you articulated that. Um, because you're not just reading, you're, in my opinion, uh, you're channelizing uh, Maharaji. The way you, uh, I got another hit. <laughs> and, you know, maybe the podcast is about you and not me. I'm, because I'm, I'm like, wow, I'm no. getting a... Uh-uh. It's an us. It's the we. It's the big we. And that's a big part of what we do. Uh, what we hope to really uh, share is how to get from the me to the we, and that's what the and these archetypes go a, a huge but long also, way. But uh, the the approach, you know, I, I meet in my travels, and I've been doing this eighteen years. So many different traditions, and Hanuman is a unifier. He's not, you know, uh, he he doesn't like uh, divide, and uh, I see it with. Uh, Maharaj's devotees, even people who haven't met him. I met a guy from Phoenix who saw his picture and he got a Shakti blast, you know. Mm. Um, but the people I meet, uh, Maharaj's people are pretty chill, number one. I would call them uh, perhaps old hippies <laughs> uh, or hippies. And they're still hippies uh, in, in an attitude. Uh, without the acid, I hope. Um, but then it's really a way of being comfortable with all traditions, you know, Buddhism, uh, different bhakti traditions, uh, non-duality, Vedanta, the witnessing consciousness. And to me, uh, I resonate a lot with that because there's a tendency to just say, you know, to get a bit Taliban about your path, you know. And uh, that's... I really think that comes from, uh, you know, Hanuman, and you articulated that beautifully. It's about unification. The, f- the first thing, Manoj, when we sat down with Maharaji, he went like this, pointing a finger, one finger, sub ek. There is only one. And he would, just, he would go on day to day for a while. He would only, that was it, sub ek. There's only one, Hanuman, Christ, Krishna, Buddha, Ram, Muhammad, all one, 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 one. So different uh, faces it, of the one. Yeah. So that's definitely part of uh, certainly our legacy is it's the core of 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 who we are and what we share. Um, okay. Do you want to do this? I want to do the mantra, Manoj. Yes. Uh, shall we? Um, you know, people. Uh, you know, they can see the murti of Hanuman. So. It's not only the mantra. Let's do a, a short guided meditation if it's okay with you. Yeah, absolutely. Because the mantra is part of that. Okay. So please close your eyes. Not if you're driving, please. Not if you're driving. Just make your breathing uniform. 
it doesn't have to be any quiet environment because as you know there is no quiet place in india <laughs> the idea is to calm your breathing because when the breath is calm the body and mind becomes calm simultaneously because we have these different layers in our body called koshas and the first layer is the body annamaya kosha second layer is the breath pranamaya kosha and the third layer is the mind manomaya kosha so relaxing your breath relaxes your body and your mind simultaneously because your breath layer is in between your body layer and your mind layer just abide in your heart that's the seat of consciousness that's the seat of ram that's the seat of oneness that's the seat of love and chanting a mantra drops you in the gap between your thoughts no need to control the thoughts just chant the mantra silently in your mind along with me and the mantra to hanuman is om hanumate namaha 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 Om Hanumate Namaha
the space between your thoughts, the gap is increased. Your mind is suffused with the mantra of Hanuman. And the next step for people who can see the Hanuman Murti is gently open your eyes and gaze at the Hanuman. Gaze at the serenity which he looks at you. Notice the way he sits on the floor. Most murtis have lotuses. Hanuman is like us. He's sitting on the floor cross-legged. He is the ultimate buddy, the ultimate friend. <laughs> and the word that for that is. is Sakya Bhava, just like Krishna was a friend to Arjuna. And Hanuman reveals us the highest teachings of consciousness. Jai Hanuman. Jai Hanuman. What's that? The, the, as the friend, what is Sakya? Spell that out. Yeah. So when you're with your archetype, uh, you can have different relationships. Yeah. So for instance, with Krishna, you can be his lover or you can be his mom. With Hanuman, uh, he's the, your friend. He's your ultimate buddy. And the spelling is Sakya. S-A-K-H-Y-A. Sakya Bhava. Where the feeling is... He's your friend who reveals the teachings. And who is a friend? Someone who understands you. Someone who accepts you the way you are. Mm. You may have shadows. In fact, we all have shadows. And Hanuman accepts you the way you are. And he teaches us we can transform through the power of love, devotion, living from the heart. Mm perfectly said uh, that was wonderful Manoj I really appreciate that um, before we uh, we have to get in and you know as I said we could do we will do more podcasts so that we can talk more about different uh, deities but we do have to so the other deity that was transformational for us uh, Durga Durga how did you know that uh, <laughs> Hanuman and Durga got together. Oh yeah, I didn't even know that. Uh, yes, it's interesting. I, I, I felt that. Mm. And uh, I, I myself personally had another experience. So the only two experiences I've had with Mortis have been Hanuman, and uh, and in particular Taos Hanuman, and also that Brindavan Hanuman. But I was in Benares once. And somehow I was led to a murti of goddess called Sankata Devi, hidden in the alley. Do you know it? I don't know. No, but oh. Sankata is really dispelling our worries. Remover of troubles. Yes. So I went in there and 
not expecting anything, uh, slightly spiritual tourism, not really, but, uh, but again, I was transfixed standing there in front of this golden-faced image, which I have had and I have in my uh, altar since that day, which was sometime in the mid-'80s or something. Um, J.M.A. Yeah, J.M.A. So uh, I, here's your little summary. Uh, Goddess Durga is goodness in a fierce form. She removes the negative energies that do not serve us, both within as, as well as directed towards us. Now, we were, uh, aside from my experience with this particular Murti in Banaras, Sankata Devi, um, Maharaji gave us Siddhiman. I think you know she is someone who was with him for decades and decades and decades before he left that physical body. And then suddenly, bang, there she was, appeared to us and has been our, our Indian mother until uh, in a physical body until she just left, which is last uh, end of last December. And Was she staying in uh, Kimchi? She was in Kenchi, yeah. And uh, well, she was also in, in Rishikesh Ashram, and she would spend time in Vrindavan, and, and not in the most recent years. But Maharaji, more than once, in fact, he took her, this is a st- story, just appears in my mind, there is... I can't remember if it's near Allahabad or Chitrakoot somewhere, is Vindhya Vasini Devi that form of Durga? Vindhya Vasini. So there's a Vindhya Vasini main temple in that Madhya Pradesh, I think, somewhere. And I haven't been there. Yeah. yeah. But So Maharaji went there, and he took some people, including Siddhima, and he actually had her sit in front of the altar, and he did some mantras and so on and said she is that and he did that more than once and that is my complete experience and i had the good fortune to experience that in this saint uh so durga has always been so so dear to me and i love goddess durga is goodness in a fierce form i mean she was siddhima i mean siddhi means powers and she was a a spiritual powers and she was the mother of that and uh and and Anyhow, I can't go into a whole thing about her because that'll be another three or four podcasts. But um, just just give us a little bit of a transmission around Durga. Yeah. So generally, Durga has like eight arms, and each arm represents a power. And if there's one uh, archetype who's everyone is Durga. And there's a long story on how Durga got emanated. But the whole idea is, uh, you know, we have the demons within us. And, uh, you know, the, the, the worst demon is what is called uh, Mahish Asura. Mahish means buffalo. It's like the deepest tamasic demon within us. Like nobody looks in the mirror and says, I'm not going to do the same stupid thing. Today and by the end of the day, they end up doing the same stupid thing. So we all know a good definition for tamasha. <laughs> like that. There you go. We all know what's the one thing, the main thing that holds us back is, 
And in the story, you know, the demon has all these powers through, you know, he does a lot of uh, what's called, uh, sa- you know, tapas and sadhana, spiritual practices to Shiva. So he gets this boon that no existing god or goddess could uh, kill him. So the metaphor is uh, the demon within us uh, can be killed by an existing ent- entity, which is our e- ego. So our ego is like the flashlight and the demons are the battery. The flashlight tries to look for the battery. No, it's controlled by that. So the gods and goddesses uh, are powerless to deal with the demon, just like our ego is powerless. And the AA talks about, you know, we're powerless, you know, in front of these addictions. And uh, so all the gods and goddesses had had a massive meeting and they created a new entity Durga so the demons uh, Siddhi the demons power that he had that no existing god or goddess could kill him didn't apply to Durga so Durga is really the power of the uh, collective unconscious she's everyone she's full on and each god or goddess gives their what's called their weapon of choice so she's like uber weaponized for instance vishnu gives us conch shell the chakra the wheel of samsara there's a play in los angeles called as vishnu dreams we're living in a vishnu's dream ram gives us bow shiva gives us trident the trishula kali gives an axe so kali herself is part of durga so and then uh, lakshmi gives the lotus and then Hanuman himself gives uh, the club, the mace. So Hanuman is a bit like Thor. Thor has a, cl- has a, has a hammer and Hanuman is a club. So, but Hanuman is a lot smarter than Thor. <laughs> and uh, she comes on this fierce lion. And you can almost picture the demon, you know, standing and Durga is emerging from the collective unconscious through the doorway on a fierce lion and the beautiful face is Shakti, Parvati. She's gorgeous. So this amazing woman, but who's also fierce, comes bobbing and up and down on this lion. And you can imagine Krishna Das chanting Hema Durga in the background and he wins a Grammy, right? And then the demon takes one look at her and he falls in love. He says, come marry me we will torture the world together and she doesn't you know she doesn't buy into that because she says your tendency is to be demonic you're not going to let go of that so the demon surrenders and she slays him and she becomes what's called mahishasura mardini the slayer of the demon mahishasura the demon within us but the idea is we don't have to hate our shadows. They're part of us. Durga teaches us to work with them, gently have them attenuated, and that can be a form of self-actualized behavior in your hero's journey where you are able to integrate your shadows. Maybe you take a look at your neighbor's flowers, enjoy them, and maybe steal a couple, have a little wink, and say what to do. 
Yeah, it's a way <laughs> of living life. And I want to share a quick story on Durga because she's also my archetype. So my archetypes are Ganesh, Hanuman, and Durga. Ganesh removes obstacles, gives me knowledge. And what uses knowledge if you don't use it to serve? So Hanuman puts me in the flow state. Hanuman is literally over the flow state, and that uh, that's a subject for the future. When you are in the autotelic state, you can be in the flow state. But Durga came into my life. Sometimes the archetypes come to you. Like, for instance, when you went to the temple, I was in uh, teaching at a teacher training in Cincinnati about eight years ago, and I wake up in my hotel room in the middle of the night at like 10 minutes to two with a dream about Durga. And I was wondering, hey, it's in the middle of the night, why neither early nor late. And then 10 minutes later, there was a fire and we all evacuated the hotel. <laughs> so here's a demon that was external and sometimes Durga comes to you in your dream. And it's very interesting. Jung talks about dream interpretations and analysis. So I try to relate the archetypes as very personal you know, energies you can work with. We can all use some help. To say the very, very least. And uh, this whole podcast, Manoj, has been a great, uh, you've shone a, shined a great light on how to relate with these deities, should you have any interest at all. And if you've been listening to Mind Rolling or anything on Be Here Now Network, you will, of course, have to have come across uh, us talking about uh, different deities. And it might be not, not just in Hinduism, but, you know, and you talk about Tara, which crosses both Hinduism and Tibetan Buddhism. And so uh, this does give us a leg up. I really thank you to just to have an idea about really these things are real. And like I said, I went out at first and it was just some weird ass, you know, statues with gaudy colors and the whole thing was gaudy. And I didn't expect to happen what happened to me. Uh, and I've seen it happen to many, many, many people in many different ways. So um, we, we shall continue this conversation. Manoj. Rago, I'm, I'm humbled. I, I feel truly we're together in the bow, in the flow. Mm. And it, it's a beautiful conversation about love. And at the end of the day, we may have differences, but we have only one love. Mm. There's no Indian love, American love. Yeah. There's only one ocean of love. Yeah. And that's what I feel mm. everything you all do coming from Maharaji's uh -huh. love. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, everybody, uh, we are going to have as much of the resources that we've been talking about on the uh, show notes page of Mind Rolling and on Be Here Now Network. Go to BeHereNowNetwork.com. And of course, there's a whole host of wonderful teachers and podcasters and thought leaders and so on. And um, and there'll be a way to connect with Manoj, what's your um, uh, URL? Give us a URL so people can access what you do. Well, <laughs> that's been the interesting thing. Uh, I've been doing this 18 years, never had a website. Oh, okay. Um, it's the old-fashioned way um, where I connect with people. However, I've done so much traveling, so many events, so many teacher trainings. 
I literally am slowing down. I'm succumbing to website, podcast. This is my very first podcast. Thank mm. you, Raghu. Mm. So I'm going to, uh, we also do retreats in a temple. You're all invited. Uh, it's practically no charge because this is teachings of, you know, the ashram model. There is mm. no literally. And you're in very different. Florida. I'm in San Diego. San Diego. It's right next to yeah. Florida, right? San Diego. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, you're... No mosquitoes, though. And, but we have a beautiful yeah, right. temple. We have retreats. So I'm going to put a flyer. I'll give you a flyer for your show okay, notes. Okay, yeah. You'll, you'll definitely and, give an email. Uh, the that flyer over. will have the website. Okay. Uh, but we will have a redesigned website because right now it is very old stuff okay. right now. Okay, great. All right. Wonderful. So, um, and we will do this again, Manoj, because there's so much uh, wealth here that uh, I would love to share with people. So, namaste. Jai Hanuman. Jai Hanuman.